to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we're concluding our discussion on who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. Let's take a look, first of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, and we will see that he is coming back as a loving bridegroom at the rapture of the church. Starting in verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. This passage is talking about the rapture of the church, and if you want a detail on end times. We have a podcast about that thing, actually multiple podcasts on that subject. So go ahead and and flip through the other podcasts and you will find that one. Now, um, this is talking about when Jesus returns in the air and receives up to himself the dead in Christ first, and then those of us who are alive at that moment will join them in the air, and he's coming as a loving bridegroom. Um, And we see the culmination of that in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. That's what's going to be going on, and the right after the rapture of the church, that uh, believers will be taken up with Jesus into heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, this is a marriage feast like you have never seen before. And it is going to be amazing. And he is the bridegroom, and we as the church are the bride. And so we will be united with him forever. And um, that will be absolutely amazing. Now, if we go to Psalm chapter 89, we see that he will also come as the sovereign king at the revelation 
fulfilling the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants for Israel and establishing the millennial kingdom. Now, this is not at the rapture of the church. This is at the end of the tribulation period. Again, we have a whole discussion on this in other podcasts. Um, but this is at the end of the tribulation period when he comes back and he will fulfill the Davidic covenant. Psalm 89, beginning in verse 20, says this. I have found David my servant with my holy oil and have anointed him with whom my hand will be established. My arm also will strengthen him. The enemy will not deceive him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. But I shall crush his adversaries before him and strike those who hate him. My faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him. And in my name, his horn will be exalted. I shall also set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He will cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My loving kindness I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall be confirmed to him. So I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes, but I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not violate, nor will I utter, alter excuse me, the utterance of my lips, once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His descendants shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. So the Davidic covenant says that David's throne will last forever. And um, right now that is not being fulfilled, but that will be fulfilled at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes to, um, to partly to fulfill the Davidic covenant and partly for other purposes that we're going to take a look at in just a moment. Acts chapter 2, verse 25. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. This is a beginning of the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, um, but as he says in verse 29, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. And so, Jesus um, at his resurrection, began to fulfill the Davidic covenant, and it will be continued 
to fulfill, be fulfilled when he comes again. Uh, let's go to Acts chapter 15, again on this same topic of the Davidic covenant, verses 16 through 18. After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things from long ago. Here uh, is a, um, a quote from one of the prophets saying that, Jesus is going to make things right. He's going to rebuild the temple. He's going to restore things. He's even going to bring Gentiles in. And that is going to be completely fulfilled at his return. Well, he is coming as a loving bridegroom at the rapture of the church for the church. He'll also come as the sovereign king at the revelation and fulfill the Davidic covenant as well as the Abrahamic covenant. And then thirdly, he will act as the righteous judge of all heaven and earth, ushering in a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we don't like to think about the judgment part. We like to think about the bridegroom part and the, the amazing wedding feast that's going to happen. But at the end of the tribulation, after all of that is done, after all of the millennium is done, there is going to be judgment. And that judgment is going to be meted out by God, um, and Jesus is going to be a part of that. Uh, Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 40. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So there's both sides of the coin there. If you believe, you get the forgiveness of sins. As John 3.17 says, if you don't believe, you're condemned already. And so there is judgment that is going to be meted out, and that judgment has been handed to Jesus for those who do not accept him, but reject him. Acts 17, beginning in verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man who has a, who he, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. God will judge the world through Jesus Christ. Let's go to 2 Timothy and chapter 4. 2 Tim Timothy chapter 4, the very first two verses, and then we're going to jump down to verse 8. 
I solemnly charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his, and his kingdom. Let's pause for just a moment. There in the first verse, it's, he's, giving them, he's giving them a challenge. Um, it's such a strong challenge. He says, I'm going to challenge you by God and Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is going to judge the living and the dead. Verse 2, preach the word. This is the challenge. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So tell people the word of God. He says to uh, Timothy, tell people the word of God when it's popular, when it's not popular, when, it's, when it hurts, and when you use it to build up. Those things are all to be used out of the word of God. And why? Because in verse 1, Jesus Christ is going to judge the living and the dead. Down in verse 8, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so we are doing this because we love him. We're also recognizing that there is going to be a judgment. And you're on one side of that coin or the other. You're on the love God side or receive judgment side. Um, there is no other side to that coin. And then in Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. And this is the great white throne judgment that it's been talking about this whole time when it says that Jesus is going to judge, <clears throat> excuse me, the living and the dead. Beginning in uh, Revelation 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each one according to their deeds." Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And you say, well, doesn't that say then that our works are going to be what determines whether we get into heaven or not? Um, not exactly. The books are everything that, of your life. It's, it's like watching a movie of your life. That's the books. Everything you've ever done is written in those books. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all there. But the important thing is the other book, the book of life. And verse 15, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, that's the one that makes the difference. You say, well, why even look at the other books then if it is all about that one? It is proof of why your name is or is not written in the book of life. As you go through those other books, you will see, oh, 
yeah, I did or I did not put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It will be obvious by those books. And so Jesus will come as the righteous judge of all heaven and earth. And he will also usher in a new heaven and new earth because this one is going to be destroyed. Verse 1 of chapter 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among them, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And so we have this new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And it's all, as it says, like a bride adorned for her bridegroom. Now, brides don't just slap on uh, old holy jeans and a torn t-shirt to go to their wedding. It's so important that they put on their best and they put on a white dress usually in our weddings because that's symbolizing what is supposed to be purity going into the marriage. And we, as we saw earlier, are going to be dressed in white, which is the righteousness of the saints or the purity of our actions in Christ. And here we are beautiful to him. And just like we are beautiful to him, then so the new heaven and the new earth coming down are beautiful, are absolutely radiant amazing. What's it going to be like? I wish I had an answer. The only answer I have as of right now is it is going to be amazing. I don't know whether there will be hunting and fishing in the new heaven and the new earth. I don't know whether there will be riding motorcycles and bicycles. I don't know whether they'll be running through mountains of lilies. I don't know. All I know is it will be amazing because God has made it amazing. It's just like a bride ready for the bridegroom. So who is Jesus Christ? We've listed out a number of things. This final thing is he's coming again. And therefore, since he is coming again, we should be prepared. I'd like you to consider that as uh, we... Tune in again next week for Freedom Fridays.